Welcome to another episode of Wizards After Dark, presented by now, of course, The Athletic. Uh, We are not yet on The Athletic. That's going to be coming next week. If you subscribe to the podcast, look out for a trailer. You're going to see the details, and you're going to get to hear my voice for like a two-minute trailer explaining all the stuff that's, uh, that's going on. But for now, like I always say, we're transitioning over to The Athletic. Stay subscribed to this podcast in whatever form that you're subscribed to it on. And then if you want to get the bonus episodes on The Athletic, all you got to do is subscribe to The Athletic as well. It's not a separate subscription for the podcast. It's all the same thing. If you're already a subscriber to The Athletic, you're great. You don't need to subscribe right now, today. I believe next week I'll be coming out with uh, like a promotional thing, which you're going to be able to get a discount on a subscription. So if you want to wait, you can hold off and you can subscribe next week with a, with a discount and you will not miss any episodes by, by doing that. So uh, if you happen to be the one loyal subscriber that I have, then you can take that route. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic and uh, I'm the host of Wizards After Dark. And on the other line, inside my computer... In Skype is someone who's never been on this podcast before. Someone who's are you ruffling papers over there? What's what's what's, what's oh, going on? Uh, I was uh, running water to to get a to get a uh, sip of water, and apparently my water makes too much noise. <laughs> no, that's that's a veteran. That's that's how you know a, a podcast guest is comfortable when. <laughs> When they're on the other line, they're like, you know what? I think I'll just run some water right into my microphone. <laughs> that's how you know. That's how you know Ben Sandig has been on this podcast way too many times. I got to make another friend. That's how. That's how you get. That's how you get cut in this league. You, you know, you start getting comfortable. You don't put in the extra reps. You you you, you don't practice your good podcast guest habits, and all of a sudden, bam, you, you lose your spot. All right, what a transition. That's also a veteran podcast move. Let's talk about the last, the Wizards' last roster spot. Let's do it. All right. So, technically, two open spots, right? Uh, they've played four preseason games. Your two open spots, your guys on non-guarantees are Jordan McRae, Justin Anderson, Justin Robinson, Phil Booth, Isaac Bonga. And, oh, no, Isaac Bonga is guaranteed, but we're going to talk about Bonga as well. Uh, who is the last person that I'm, uh, that I'm forgetting? Well, there's Justin Anderson, Jamario Jones, Jones. Chris Chioza. Jamario Jones and Chris Chioza. This is why uh, I bring you on the podcast, and this is why my podcast preparation skills are still in the preseason form because I didn't, I forgot to call up the roster in front of me. Yeah. So to reiterate, it's Jordan McRae, Justin Anderson, Chris Chioza, Jamario Jones, Phil Booth, Justin Robinson are non guarantees. There are two open roster spots. Okay, one of them. I I promise you, this is not me reporting that it's happening, but Jordan McRae is getting that spot. Like Jordan McRae will be on the team. Jordan McRae has a he's already had four hundred thousand dollars of his of his contract guaranteed. He rested in a preseason game. Have you ever heard of a non guaranteed dude resting in a preseason game? Imagine if Justin Robinson came and was, like, really trying to stick in the league and was really trying to get a spot, and the Wizards were like, hey, Justin Robinson, why don't you rest this game? Never. That that has never happened. That doesn't happen. Jordan McRae is making this roster. In reality, they have two open spots, but, like, in effect, it's one spot. Jordan McRae is going to be on this team. That's my Jordan McRae thing. 
I mean, yeah, I don't think you're, I mean, I think that's a million percent correct. <laughs> this Wizards roster is so, is so funky. We've talked, I'm sure you've talked plenty about the, the point guard situation. Isaiah Thomas is hurt. Who's going to effectively be the backup to Ish Smith? And, and we'll get to how that, but like, look at the twos. Who is Bradley Beal's backup? I mean, it's the it's the guy you just said, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't even know. You know, we can quibble. Troy Brown can get a few minutes when he comes back, and you know, you can always do all kinds of funky lineup situations. But the reality is, that Jordan McRae is the backup too. He's also a, a, a rare guy on this team that can score, and whatever his limitations are, that have sort of kept him on the fringes of the NBA for much of his career. The, the dude can get buckets, and this is a Wizards team that beyond Bradley Beal. I don't know how they're going to score most nights. So he's needed, and, you know, he's well-liked. He's a very popular guy in the locker room. And, um, you know, the only question basically was, the last year was, you know, when, when was Scott Brooks going to use him? He obviously didn't until it was sort of the end game. But this year, it, it, forget the salary, forget all that. I, I just don't see how he's not on the roster and not playing, looking at everything that's involved. Jordan McRae has a Jordan McRae is in the NBA because he's a good guy. Like I don't, I don't want to demean, and that's not, uh, that's not demeaning his skills. What I mean by that is there are two kinds of players like Jordan McRae, like the journeyman who's like kind of always on the fringe. There are two kinds of players who are like that. There is the type of player who is wildly talented by NBA standards, obviously all NBA players are wildly wildly talented, but compared to his peers, wildly talented, but has never quite made it because he's a jerk everywhere he goes. And then there's the opposite. There's the guy who Jordan McRae is a very talented scorer, but Jordan McRae is not a he's not a facilitator, he's not a defender, he's not a rebounder. He's 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 limited. I mean, you put him in the right spot, maybe he averages 12 points a game off the bench. I mean, I'm a big believer that a lot of NBA success is context and the bottom 60 to 150 players in the league if you swipe them out and you added new 60 to 100 you know the 60 to 150 best players not in the league there really wouldn't be much of a difference so much of success in the NBA is context but Jordan is like uh what Ish Smith was like Ish Smith is just every single team that Ish Smith has played for and you can ask a lot of them because he's played for all of them they just rave about what a great guy Ish Smith is. Uh, Jordan McRae is the same thing. Like Jordan McRae is, is getting these opportunities and, and will have an opportunity to really prove himself as part of an NBA team's rotation this year in all likelihood because he's a good guy. Like That's what got him there. If you were a jerk, it wouldn't be taken. So, so, right. Sorry. sorry. Uh, to, and to go the other way, Andre Black is has not been in the league for a few years in part because of the opposite. He was a chore to deal with. Everybody, I mean, that's why he, the Wizards ultimately said, you know, via con Dios, why, why, you know, he, he obviously is, was productive, but it was just a pain in the, you know what, and that's why I'm sure teams eventually were just like, you know what, not worth it. <laughs> this talent, but the rest of it is this way not, not worth enough for a guy who's towards the back of the, you know, mid-rotation to back of the bench, we'll find somebody else. Yep. It's very true. Although Andre Blash has my... Andre Blatch has my favorite play in basketball history in the, I believe it was the Chinese Basketball Association All-Star Game when he received a pass and was wide, wide open and literally bent his knees and bent over to wipe the floor off with his hand and then stood up 
and shot it. And it is phenomenal entertainment. Not great basketball, but amazing entertainment. And it is so funny. Um, who do you think is getting the last spot? I have my theories. I want to hear yours. Well, obviously, there's 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 two ways to look at it. If you're if you're the Wizards, one there's the practical. Like we need people to play basketball games, and we you know, as mentioned Isaiah Thomas is out. They don't have an obvious other sort of point guard on the team beyond Ish Smith. Sure, Bradley Beal will get some of those minutes, but you know he's going to play plenty at his natural spot. And as just established, you know Jordan McRae is the only other sort of guard that seems apparent. So it, it, it feels like it needs to be a point guard, which would lead to Justin Robinson or Chris Chioza. I would assume Robinson gets the lead because of the you know the guarantee that they gave him to come up to come to Washington. Um, Chioza is interesting because he you know, he did get some run with Houston at the end of last year. They plucked him off the go-go roster, and uh, you know I guess there's some debate over you know you, you maybe'd like to see him as a two-way guy. I don't know if he wants to do that though. It kind of restricts what you can do, and you know he made it to the NBA last year. Yada yada yada. But at the moment, I would lean towards a point guard. But that's that's leaning a little bit towards the practical and also the long term. But you know, yeah. Either way, I'll stop. I mean, well, here, well, here's the thing though. Who's playing small forward? Yeah, because <laughs> that the, is the thing. CJ Miles and Troy Brown are, are at. Like I, I've been, I've been paying attention to Justin Anderson ever. You know, when I've been out there, in part because I've been covering him since high school, and he's an interesting guy on and off the court, and I've heard some good things about his play, but at the same point, you're like, well, you, you know, like you said, there's only two spots, can't keep everybody, but he could be, <laughs> hypothetically, he could be off the roster or start opening night. That is a bizarre situation, and, and uh, but but at the moment, I mean, unless something else happens, you know, there's just no other spot, um, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I want to throw something else on the table, too. Uh I wouldn't totally rule out cutting Bonga as well. Like that's that's a plausible thing. Yeah, Bonga's guaranteed, but you can cut anyone who's guaranteed. You just have to pay their salary. And Bonga's only guaranteed for this year. He makes one point four million dollars. Uh, they're far enough from the tax that they don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. They're like seven million dollars, six million dollars from the luxury tax line. They're fine on that front. So that's a conceivable move they could make to open up another spot. That said, I'm not so sure Anderson makes the team. I, I think Anderson is an NBA player from the way that he's performed. He He's talented. He can defend. He plays hard on the defensive end, which is obviously important for somebody in his position. He's made shots. He made five threes against the Knicks the other night. He's made threes. Scott, I'm I'm not convinced that it's real. He's like a 31, 32% three-point shooter for his career, and he's never seen a shot he doesn't like. I mean, I, I can't remember an opportunity in the preseason this year where he's he's been in this position where, like, he could pass, but he could shoot, and he's chosen to pass in that situation. I mean, he's never seen a shot that he doesn't like, and his form looks relatively the same. He does this, you know, like Admiral Schofield has this insanely high release where he finishes all the way up. Almost looks a little awkward because he finishes so high up. He's actually brought his release down. It used to be even higher when he was when he was younger. Uh, Anderson's the exact opposite. He finishes all the way out, which you don't want to do. I mean, he's you want to be you want to finish high. You don't want to finish. With your, with your left hand like he does, his shooting hand, all the way out in front of him. 
but he's made his shots. And Scott Brooks, from day one, from before they played a game, has been saying uh, in scrums to me, whatever, regarding Justin Anderson, you know, he, he became a much better shooter. He's a much better shooter than I ever thought he was the last three years. And Scott was saying that, and I was like, okay. You know, Scott's saying positive stuff about his, his guys. And Justin Anderson's credit, he's hit threes. Now, it's really hard to say Justin Anderson got hot for four games in the preseason, and now he's a three-point shooter. But Scott Brooks said it before he hit three threes. Uh, again, all that said, I just don't know if the Wizards are going to pick a guy based on a short-term need. Like, Troy Brown's injury stinks, but and he might not be ready for opening night. But it's not like he's out until February. I think they're going to prioritize someone who can help them in 2020 and or, or who they think has a better chance to help them in 2020 and 2021 than somebody who they kind of already know who he is. I think Anderson is an NBA player. I think he deserves to be on a roster. I'm just I'm not so sure the fit is going to be this one, but I think he's played like a like one of the 450 best guys in the league. Right, and that's what kind of you know, what I what I was alluding to. Right, I mean, it, under if this was the Wizards at any point in the past five years, the immediate need outweighs the long term need. But that's not the mindset that they've overtaken since Tommy Shepard took took over. That, that that's at least you know to this point. Other than Isaiah Thomas, which was a no you know effect, effectively a low risk you know see what happens kind of move. Everything else was geared towards the future in some capacity and. Uh, that you know that that is what makes it interesting. I guess the thing is, you know, Anderson's young. He was the 2015 class, so you know you could conceivably view him as somebody to to be here beyond this year. But sure, I mean, I I think it is more of a a potential short term need because of the three. I mean, it's worth noting. Um, I mean, you've been to practice, obviously, every practice, and I haven't I haven't been yet. But at practice on uh, Tuesday that I was at. The Wizards had Hachimura and Davies Bertans playing together with Beal and Ish Smith and Thomas Bryant, and you know we've talked mostly about Hachimura playing the four, but he you know is a little bit of a tweener, and you know this could be the way the Wizards sort of deal with the beginning of the season. I guess I don't know if you want to screw with Hachimura too much, but that is one potential way for them to deal with things early on is having him play some more of the three, and then you don't have to have well, we have to keep a Justin Anderson type player. To, to, to deal with that. Not saying that's the best move, but that is a way to sort of get around it. And, and look, Troy Brown, uh, I'm sure you'll get into him later or write about it, but like, you know, he didn't look like a guy who was like moving around too quickly yesterday at practice, but he's in theory eligible to, or, or, or his, his timeline is coming back right around the start of the season. So maybe he's back sooner than, you know, the, the, or maybe he's back soon and they don't have to deal with this at all. But um, yeah, that, I, 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 by the way, I just love these debates. I, 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 everybody gets so worked up over like, the, the front line guys, I love debating who's going to be the last guy to make the team. Oh, <laughs> I love that it's stuff. great. It's great. I love it. But the thing with with the starters is that, well, first of all, you can start McRae and, and you can start Beal at the three. You can do that, especially if it's against a team like, oh, Dallas, that likes to play three guards together. Dallas will often play three guards at the same time. That's like a big Rick Carlisle staple, you know? So, so like, I think, I think that that's, 
that's not that's who they open up against. I just I don't think that's such a huge deal. Oklahoma City, a lot of guards. Like Billy Donovan has said that they're going to play Schroeder and and uh, SGA and Chris Paul together. Like you can you can get away with using that for for two games against the right opponents. It seems like they have the right opponents. Like I I don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean they they can certainly go small. I I, I guess you know again, <laughs> so. It all comes down to perception of what it is that they're well, not perception. It all comes down to their mindset of what are they trying to accomplish, right? So if you did what you just said, start Jordan McRae with Beal, and okay, sure. I mean that makes a practical sense. But as we just said earlier, who's backing up Beal and McRae? Like, there is no, <laughs> they still don't have any wings to do that. And we know Scott Brooks is not afraid to play Bradley Beal forty minutes a game and, and, and all that. But I, I would say to the larger point. Um, you know, I went to uh, again. Uh, so I showed up at practice on Tuesday, and while Fred and others are asking Scott and the uh, and the other players all kinds of questions all the time, you know, typically at some point for you guys, it gets you know the, the bigger picture goes away, and you start focusing on the specific features and the articles that you're working on. But for me, having been away for a minute, I wanted to hear, and I, I already know the answer, but I wanted to hear what Scott Brooks said when I asked the question, "What are your expectations for this season?" Going back to the broader picture, and he completely ignored anything about wins and losses. Yeah, he made some veiled reference to the playoffs, but his basic answer was, we want to be a hard a team that plays hard every night, plays the right way, all that type of stuff. And that's exactly the right approach for where the Wizards are at. But that's important to keep in mind. They're not. This is not the last several years where the goal is not just make the playoffs, but contend. And therefore, from that perspective, whatever lineup Scott Brooks thinks he needs to throw out there on any given night to help the cause, not just, you know, you want to be competitive, you do want to win, this is why you play these games, but realistically, it's about building on building something here that's sustainable going forward, a type of play. He talked about it, we have to establish an identity. However he needs to come to that, that's the lineup he needs to go with and go and just kind of go from there, not worry so much about, hey, I need to match up against this opponent or that opponent or, you know, whatever it may be, so... You know, it's it's the opening couple games of the year that we're talking about. You'd like to think you have an, a better a better feel for like, hey, we know what our starting five is and all that. But that's just the reality right now with the injuries at the three in particular. So, you know, I think the big picture is the key is what's important to keep in mind. That that's where the Wizards' mindset is at. Beyond, hey, on game, you know, this game against this team, we need to do X. It's more about them as it probably should be, real, being realistic with you know this roster and where things are at right now. Yeah, I mean that's a fair point. It's like who's the who's the backup, you know? Like I I, I don't really know. You know what? I don't even care that much. Like you you get by I, I I the only thing I would care about is I wouldn't want to play like Rui out of position. I don't want to yeah. stunt him like that. I don't I don't want my my example of Kevin Durant playing the two. You know, like he did in his rookie year in Seattle. I, I don't need that. I don't need to stunt him. I don't need to confuse him. I'm a big believer that for rookies, for young players who you're trying to develop, you keep them in their most comfortable positions because everything that they experience, so much of it is they're experiencing it for the first time. Like, yeah. The first time Hachimura hits a jumper, it's not going to be the first time in his career he hits a jumper, but it is going to be the first time he does it against players that good. The first time he has to guard Giannis or LeBron James or Kawhi or whomever else, that'll be the first time he does that stuff. Like, 
everything is uncomfortable. It's out of sorts. It's unfamiliar. I want to give as much familiarity as possible, and I'm not going to take them out of the realm of what I believe they can do well in order to do it. One more thing that I wanted to talk about. And I agree. As well. oh, I agree yeah. with you, by the way. I, I just I would agree with you. I would I would go with the with the Beal McRae lineup, then screw with Hachimura. To- totally agree. If the season's about the future, let that future with that kid go towards where you want him to be, not to deal with game one, game two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one more thing I wanted to talk about. And and please bring up anything from the preseason that we haven't discussed because we haven't really discussed the preseason games. And Thomas Bryant's has been intriguing. Not necessarily because he's played amazingly. Not necessarily because he's played terribly. He's played pretty well. He hit four threes against Milwaukee the other day. He took eight threes, which I thought was fascinating. I put, I wrote a, a very comprehensive Thomas Bryant story about this exact concept that I'm about to bring up. It's up on The Athletic. It came out on Tuesday. We're recording this on Wednesday morning. Uh, it'll be out Wednesday afternoon. And uh, Thomas Bryant is so clearly their number two option this year. They are so clearly going out of their way to make sure that Thomas Bryant is their number two option this year. There are so many things that they are doing where it's like Thomas Bryant gets to operate out of the high post. Thomas Bryant gets to operate out of the low post. Thomas Bryant is going to have to facilitate after he catches passes in the pick and roll. Thomas Bryant is going to be a featured player on the offense and for sure their number two guy behind Bradley Beal. And everybody knows it. Beal knows it. Beal goes hard on him on practice, I think in part because he knows this guy has got to step up in order for the team to, you know, exceed its expectations. He's got to exceed his. Uh, I think it's it's a notable thing that that Thomas Bryant is is really, really, uh, really locked in to being the number two guy. Like if I play fantasy basketball, I would be like, "Ooh, Thomas Bryant is going to put up numbers this year." You should start a fantasy basketball league with fans of the uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, I should. You should. I'll, I'll I'll take a team and then probably not pay attention more halfway through the season. But I, I like I, I I did this once. It's a, it's a fun. Uh, Fun exercise. Um, no, to- totally, totally agree. And by the way, just to sort of back this to the other point about what the real goal is here, this connects everything the Wizards is connect. Everything the Wizards are doing, from what I can see, is about a point in time when John Wall comes back, hopefully healthy. That's why, I like the idea of trading Bradley Beal. There's obviously you've talked about this, you've written about this. It, to keep him is to say we think there's a brighter day ahead in part when you have John Wall back, you have Bradley Beal back, you have Rui Hachimura, you have Troy Brown, you have the lottery pick that's going to be here next year, and you have Thomas Bryant. Whatever these guys are this year doesn't matter as much. It matters to a larger degree what they are the next year, and that's why it is important to have Hachimura play where you think he's going to be and to get Thomas Bryant Developing not so much in terms of hey we have to win game the, the next game but how is he going to be going forward he needs to be a better defender can he do that if he can spread the floor as he did the other night in the preseason game and we saw glimpses of this last year for sure then that changes a lot of dynamics too now John Wall you know it's a clearer lane for him he can kick it outside to this guy be pick and rolls things like that um, all that's important and and to me at least that that's where I think this is where their mindset is but I think that's where it needs to be. 
is all these young guys, it's about what, what do they do going forward. So it absolutely makes sense. I mean, again, for the moment, other than Bradley Beal, they don't have a lot of guys that can score. So they're going to need somebody when, when Beal's off the court to step up. And it can't just be Thomas Bryant relying on putbacks and guys setting him up. He has to, you know, figure out different ways to, to get his own offense and things like that. So that's important for the moment, but it's important also going, you know, going forward. You know, this is how you help justify Bright to Bradley Beal why you should stay because guys like Thomas Bryant are um, developing that that this guy can be a viable player and so on. And uh, yeah, it's important to see that these young guys to develop. So yeah, it's good signs for him, and uh, you know, hopefully it translates. The one thing we know about Thomas Bryant is he will play with enthusiasm, and that's that's what you know. This team is ultimately all going to be. That's their identity this year. They hope a team that plays hard, plays with energy, plays with. Uh, enthusiasm that fans can at least get behind, even if the wins aren't there. And Thomas Bryant is going to be sort of the poster child for that. Uh, can I? All right, I'm going to interrupt with something. I don't know if we've done this on the podcast, but I, I, uh, I, uh, I just, uh, I just broke some news on Twitter. Um, and uh, you know what? I even forgot to say sources say, so I'm going to have to delete it and put it back out. But. Uh, the Wizards have agreed to a deal with Andres Pachiknis. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. And let me put this back out. This is great podcasting, by the way. You can really see how this goes. I thought you were going to break news that Joe Madden is the new manager of the Angels, which has apparently happened. Yes. Well, that's a big deal, which I which I care a lot about. <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's interesting. I don't know the details of it. I don't know the details. I don't know if that means he's, like, on the roster. It could just be an Exhibit 10 right before training camp comes out because they want him to play for their G League team. Um, but that's another guy. That's another guy to talk about. It it also means that they cut somebody because they have 20 people on the roster. So probably by the time this podcast comes out, we're going to know what, what moves were made. Um, but... That's that's all I got. That's what we got. This is great podcasting. I don't know how Woj does this stuff on live TV on July first. It, it's always. I, did you ever see the one where, where Adam Schefter is on one of the sports centers and literally in the interview he sees his phone and 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 something just happened. He says, "Hold on." He starts typing away furiously to you know on Twitter to to break news. He's on live TV, mind you. It's not like he can't break the news right there. But he stops to put it on Twitter because Twitter is official, and then comes back to the live television discussion. That that was a that was a real that was a real moment there. Yes, it's it's a it is a fascinating, uh, fascinating to, to figure out how those guys handling all those things can can do it all simultaneously. Um, well, well, let me ask you this quick quick question though. So you, you mentioned the the, the twenty man roster, um, and that's a you know. The, that, that, that's like a reasonable thing. By the way, this guy's been around, correct? I mean, haven't I seen this guy around? So he was the 25th pick in 2017. Um, he played for the Wizards Summer League team. He uh, has been at the practice facility. I have seen him at the practice facility. He is so tall. Like, he is like a true... He, he's taller than a 7-footer. I mean, he is, he's got to be like 7'2". He is so tall. And I've seen him working out at the practice facility. I don't know what their plan would be for him. I don't know what kind of contract it is, so I can't elaborate on if he'll play or not. But 
you're only allowed to have 20 people on your training camp roster. Like, you're only allowed sure. to have 20 people, and they are at 20, because that includes two-way deals. So it could be an Exhibit 10, because they want to just cut them in a day or two, and, you know, maybe more in a week or so, and then, uh, you know, you can sign them to a two-way. could be an Exhibit 10, because they just want to cut them, give them some money, and then have them play for the go-go. It could be a, you know, just a conventional, non-guaranteed deal, because they want them to be on the roster. Could be a conventional and non-guaranteed deal because they want him in, but whatever it is, you're only allowed to have 20 people on the team. They have 20. If they're bringing him in, that means somebody else is cut, which means that we've got more reporting to do while I'm on this podcast. So the listeners can really, really enjoy it. Right. I mean, I guess it's on a practical sense. Uh, you know, there are guys at the end of the roster, you know, Phil Booth, what have you, that you could just you know move on from. Uh, you know, if it's if it's anything be above that, that becomes more of a of a surprise for sure. Uh, as we just discussed, there's a lot of interesting guys uh, on this team. I, I, I mean, I guess we'll just have to see. I'd, I'd be surprised, I guess, if this guy's actually on the the actual roster. Here's my here's my one question, and this is I, I, I not attempting to derail the podcast, but this is what I do. You you mentioned the idea of like hypothetically, if you were to cut, you, you can cut a guy a guy with a guaranteed deal like an Isaac Bonga. He doesn't make a ton of money, what have you. You can open up that spot. And we're talking largely about how the Wizards are in a position to have guys who can help them for the future more than the present. So with all that said, why keep Jan Mahimi? Like, I mean, I get it. Like, he makes an I insane amount of money. exactly why you keep Jan Mahimi. Because he's a time, fun guy in the locker room. He's no, a veteran. And that's, it's not what I was going to say at all. Because, okay. because Jan Mahimi's contract is, for the first time in the history of this four-year deal, Jan Mahimi's contract is very valuable. Because if the – let's say, hypothetically, the Wizards are a 300 team this year, right? They, they win – they're a 25-win team, all right? And you get to February, and there is a team that is trying to clear out cap space. Well, guess what? Jan Mahimi and Davis Bertans and uh, – who's the extra expiring? I'm thinking – oh, C.J. Miles. C.J. Miles. Right there. That gets you up to like $30 million in expiring salary. And you can do, if you're the Wizards, like the Wizards say they want to be a little bit nets and they want to be a little bit, like, they want to be a little bit nets in the way they do this and they want to be a little bit like tanky, right? And so the nets had to do it this way because they didn't have draft picks. So they had to find creative ways to bring in as many assets as they could and take gambles on young players because it was their only way of being able to acquire a good young player. But it would make sense. You can bring in somebody's bad contract, a two-year deal or something like that. The Nets traded Brooke Lopez's $20 million expiring, received back two years of Team of Fame Mozgov, and in order for getting Mozgov back, because the Lakers were clearing out cap room for 2018, uh, in order for to get Mozgov back, uh, they got D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell turned into a star. You hold on to Mahimi, you can make a trade like that. The Lakers didn't get Brooke Lopez because they liked Brooke Lopez. They got Brooke Lopez because it was a $20 million expiring deal. You hold on to Mahimi. You can do that with somebody who makes 16 to $18 million. You throw Bertons into a deal. Now, all of a sudden, we're talking about someone who makes 22 plus. You throw CJ Miles into a deal. You're talking about 24. You include him. You're talking about someone who makes 30-plus million uh, in salary. You can, you can swing a really 
interesting deal. Bring back someone who's on a two-year, $60 million deal and bring back a legit asset in that case. Uh, you know, the, the Nets, like people were, you know, out, and I'm air quoting that, out on D'Angelo Russell. But, like, he was the number two overall pick not too long ago. So you can get somebody. So that's why you hold on to Mahimi. Right. This was a good example of, like, you know, teeing somebody up. Like, I get that. I, yeah, I get that. I just like, yeah, you know, Mahimi, we can move on from him. It's like, you know, I bet you wouldn't do it for this random dude who's not even on a team. But, uh, no, I, I mean, yes, everything you said, totally, totally agree. Um, I, I guess my only caveat to any of that is, how much long? How much money beyond next year are the Wizards interested in taking on? Considering how much money they have invested already with Wall, Beal's going to get a new deal if they keep him. You know all that type of stuff. So uh, you know, but yes, yes, you're absolutely right for all those for all those reasons. I'm just trying to think of like how do you clear some you know quote unquote dead weight out of the roster now? But yes, that is a uh, all a reasonable point that you make if you're going to you know use logic and math. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, even if they keep Beal and they extend him, that extension doesn't kick in until the 2021-22 season. So you can you can trade Mahimi for somebody on a two-year deal, and those salaries don't overlap because Beal's salary wouldn't start for three years. So uh, I, I don't think you do that if you figure, okay, we're probably not going to be that good next year, or at least – However good we are next year is not good enough to justify not trying to get better for the year after that. And I'm pretty confident that would be a reasonable position for them to take come February. Not saying this is going to happen, by the way. I have no sources telling me this is going to happen. I'm just looking at the outlook and trying to figure out what would make sense. And I, I would, if I were running the Wizards... I would hold on to Mahimi, not because who knows if that deal will even be out there. That was that you know the the net stuff. Those are very specific situations, so who knows if that's even out there. But you hold on to these sorts of expiring contracts, or yes, this summer barren free agent market. But expiring, expiring contracts mean something again in the NBA. There was that little sliver of time where it didn't mean as much, but the last few years it means something. So you can you can do some stuff with that. And also the Wizards' mentality under Tommy Shepard appears to be that of a team that, unlike last year when they kept Jeff Green and Trevor Ariza for inexplicable reasons other than to go with the facade of we're not tanking, even though at that point once you traded away Otto Porter, Markeith Morris, et cetera, uh, you, know, you were kind of heading in that, in that downward direction. The, the, I, you know, I don't get the sense that the Wizards are going to be that team this time, that they understand it's about asset gathering and all that. So all these guys – who are not young players on, on rookie deals or, or Bradley Beal, you know, et cetera. Like everybody else, those expiring deals could be uh, on the move uh, at some point, you would yep. think logically. I mean, look, Memphis did that all summer. Memphis did a great job with that all summer. Like Memphis took on – like people, people think they just took on the Josh Jackson contract. How many times has a rookie salary been dumped? They took on the Josh Jackson contract, and they got assets. Memphis didn't do that deal for Josh Jackson. They did that deal so they could get assets. Like, Memphis did a great job with that. They took on Andre Iguodala, and they got a first-round pick from Golden State. This is what you can do. And Mahimi, you might be able to receive a, a pretty uh, a pretty detrimental to, to whoever they're trading with contract. And that yeah. could work. 
So that's the thing that you can do. Ben, I know you got to head out to go to uh, go to football stuff because you're a football man now. Um, ben obviously covers the Redskins for us at uh, The Athletic and does an awesome job and has covered the Wizards for many, many years. So follow his work at The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Ben Standig. Anything that you're coming out with? Well, I will just say there's a tie-in article with the Wizards because I wrote about Dan Snyder, the Redskins owner. He needs to change his life, his outlook on life, to fix that team. And I used Ted Leonsis as a, somewhat of a comparison to having covered both of them. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd say if you're into the Wizards, you, you will uh, have some thoughts about that one. Great. Well, read that. Read my story on Thomas Bryant from Tuesday. Got a story out today on Troy Brown, which I actually have to tweet out. I haven't done that yet. Hopefully we'll know about the last roster spot by the time you listen to this. Sorry, things get dated quickly at the end of the preseason, I guess. But I got I got flustered tweeting that out while I was on a podcast. I was trying to listen to you, and I was trying to tweet, and I was trying to not make typos, not have fact errors. It was, it was rough. Uh, but well, I'll be back. I will do a podcast before the season starts. I'm going to do a season preview type of deal. Uh, Look out for some stuff on Monday. If you subscribe to the podcast, you'll just be getting it like any other episode. But look out for some stuff on Monday. And look out for a season preview episode before the Wizards open up on Wednesday the 23rd, so a week from today in Dallas. Uh, I'm going to do last year. I did like a preseason over-unders and I I just came up with a bunch of over-unders for the season as a fun way to preview the season. I'm going to do the same thing because over-unders are super fun. So that's all I'll do. And you guys can play along and maybe I have a super fan who can track them and, uh, and see how horrible my picks were at the end of the year. Thank you for listening, Benjamin. Thank you for coming on. And uh, I will talk to you guys very soon.